Chapter Thirteen of the Boy Scouts' First Campfire. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan. The Boy Scouts' First Campfire by Herbert Carter. Chapter Thirteen: The Mysterious Island. Sure enough. When the others followed the proud Bumpus through the woods for a little distance, and then down close to the edge of the water, they found that he had really come upon a boat in a dense thicket, where it had evidently been hidden. Must have belonged to some of the gamekeepers that the rich man hired to watch his property up here, declared Stephen, as he examined the craft, while they all crowded around. Looky here, got a bully old paddle under the seats, too, called out Giraffe holding up the article in question admiringly after they had turned the canoe over. "'Ain't this a great find, though?' declared Bob White, who was particularly fond of the water and boats of all kinds. Bumpus smote himself on the chest and puffed out his fat cheeks as he looked around at his comrades. "'Make fun of that wonderful investigating instinct of mine, will you, boys?' he remarked. "'Well, see what a feller gets from being persevering and wanting to learn all the while. Now, if I had been like, say, Stefan here, and content to lay around after eating, where would we be about the boat question? But I wanted to find out why a rabbit makes two marks with its front paws, and only one with the hind legs. And so I looked around to see if there wasn't a track where we saw that bunny scoot away yesterday. When we got here, I didn't find the tracks, but I did run across a boat. It was all right, Bumpus, said Thad, and I'm going to congratulate you on it. A scout can be a bit curious and keep on the right side, too. But, Alan, there's no need of our taking that long swim now, and no need of both of us being away at the same time, remarked the other, who did not feel easy about leaving such careless fellows as Bumpus and Giraffe behind, since there could be no telling what trouble might follow. Suppose you draft Bob White to do the paddling, Thad, and he just dotes on that sort of thing, you know. The eyes of the southern boy gleamed with delight. I sure do the same, sir. And if so be you think to take me along on the exploring expedition, I'll be proud to accompany you. Depend on me to do the work, and glad of the chance. I'd just love to be in a boat, any kind of boat, from a dugout to a cedar canoe, and this paddle isn't so bad even if it is homemade. Thad bent down to examine it closer, then he turned to give Alan a little nod that brought the other quickly to his side. The two leaned over where they could exchange a few words without the others hearing what they said. Did you notice that boat was turned upside down when we found it? asked Thad, first of all. Yes, that it was done to keep the rain from filling it up, I reckon, replied the main boy. They do that up my way, too, because, you see, if water stays very long in a boat, it rots, no matter what it is, built of canvas, cedar, or birch bark. Water in a boat is a bad thing. Some of the boys think this boat has been lying here since the gamekeepers left this part of the country, which, as I understand it, must have been quite a few months ago, Thad went on to say. Yes, that's what I heard them saying, returned the other. And what did you think? asked the scoutmaster. Alan knew that he was on a trail, 
He also understood that there must be something suspicious about the boat to make Thad speak in this way. So he instantly scanned it, foot by foot, from one end to the other, after which his eyes sought the paddle with Giraffe was still holding. Then he smiled. I'm on to what you mean, Thad, he observed. That paddle has been in the water not a great many hours ago, for it's still wet, and inside the boat I can see signs that point to the same thing. Last night, perhaps, while we were sleeping here, this boat was being used on the lake by some person or persons, Thad continued, while the balance of the scouts disputed among themselves as to who should be given the privilege of accompanying Bob White and Thad on the trip to the island. Thad looked a little serious. Kind of queer, any way you take it, he remarked. Our campfire could have been seen easily enough by any fellow who was landing here and hiding his boat. And tell me why he didn't come into camp and see who we were. Seems to me any honest man would have been glad to do the same thing. Say, perhaps he doesn't happen to be honest, Thad, suggested Allen, in a rather hushed voice. For there was something a little mysterious about the findings of the boat that excited his curiosity, more or less, and caused strange ideas to form in his boyish mind. Oh, I hardly think it could be as bad as that, Thad hastened to remark. Just because he avoided our camp doesn't mean that he's a thief or a rascal. I take it perhaps he saw we were Boy Scouts, and most men wouldn't want to bother knowing a parcel of Boy Scouts in their first camp. But what could he be doing away up here in this lonely place? asked the other. Well, of course, I don't pretend to know, replied the scoutmaster. But then I might give a guess. Suppose one of the men who used it to be hired to guard these preserves of that rich gentleman who meant to make a game park here, after the idea was given up, took a notion to come back up here for some reason. He might be getting ready to trap animals in the fall or shoot deer out of season. Then again, perhaps the same lake was stocked with game fish some years ago, and a couple of smart fishermen might take out a heap of bass. That would net them a lot of money in the market. Sometimes they use nets, too, Alan, when the game wardens are far away. I know, replied the other. Just the same up here in my country, I'm sorry to say. But are you going over to take a look at the island just the same, Thad? Sure thing, and as the boat is large enough to hold three or four without crowding, perhaps I'd better pick another to go along. Stefan, how would you like to help Bob White, Bumpus, and myself look that island over? Stefan was about to give an affirmative answer just when he happened to remember something. "'Guess I'll have to decline the chance this time, Thad,' he remarked, making a wry face, though I felt the signs of one of my fits coming on a while back to sure hate to have anything like that happen in such a cranky little boat, cause it might upset, you know. "'Oh, all right. Then just the three of us will go,' returned Thad. But there was one who had heard what Stephen said with suspicion in his heart. Of course, this was Bumpus, and he looked at the others, catching a sly glance cast in his direction, immediately seized the situation. So, marching directly into camp, Bumpus plunged into the tent to which he was assigned, appearing with his haversack in his hands, and this he deliberately hung on a nail that had been driven into a tree in plain sight of all who might happen to be in camp. Everybody saw the act and could guess what the motive was that actuated Bumpus to do this queer thing. Stephen turned somewhat red in the face, as he felt the eyes of his comrades turn toward him. 
Huh? he exclaimed. You think you're funny, don't you, Bumpus? Seems to me you're mighty careful of that old bag of yours. If you had a lump of gold in it, you couldn't handle it nicer. And sometimes haversacks do hold all sorts of queer things. I known I lost knives and medals, yes, even a compass to get in them. Hung it out to air, did you? Mighty afraid somebody might happen to peek in it by accident when you were gone, aren't you? But Bumpus never made any reply, only grinned and looked wise, as though he felt satisfied at having outgeneraled the cunning Stephen and spiked his guns. The boat upon being launched was found to be watertight. This fact went far toward convincing Thad that his suspicions regarding its having been recently used were based on a good foundation. Had it been lying there ashore for weeks, and possibly months, it would have been leaky and required many hours soaking before the wood swelled enough to stop this fault. Thad took upon his position in the bow while the heavy weight of the expedition, Bumpus, who had been invited to go because of his discovery of the boat, occupied the middle. Bob White, paddle in hand, shoved off and then squatted in the stern to propel the craft. They soon saw that he was indeed adept with the paddle. Even the main boy, standing there on the shore, called out words of commendation when he saw how cleverly Bob White feathered his paddle, able to do almost anything he wished without removing its blade from the water. Often when a hunter is creeping up on a feeding deer in the water, this proves to be a valuable quality and allowing him to get closer than it would be possible did the water drip from the blade of the paddle every time it was raised above the surface. And so they headed straight for the mysterious island. Thad was turned halfway around in his seat, so that he could observe the shore they were rapidly approaching. And Bumpus squatted there amidship like a big frog, keeping his eyes fastened on the same place, with a growing feeling of uneasiness. Even wished now that he had not been so greedy to take part in this exploring expedition. After all, it was much more comfortable ashore than in a cranky boat that would wobble every time he chanced to move his weight from one side to the other. And then again, there was something rather queer about that same island. The trees and bushes grew so very dense all over it, and Bumpus wondered if it might not be the home of wildcats or even something worse. Once or twice he imagined he could see staring eyes among the bushes, but was ashamed to mention the fact to his chums. Well, the boat had arrived at a point about eighty feet off the shore where they came to the ears of the three boys a sudden gurgling sound that sent the blood leaping through their veins much faster than ordinarily might be the case. Thad turned his head to see what Bumpus and Bob White might appear to think of that thrilling sound for it was not repeated, and although plainly heard, Thad could not at the time make up his mind whether it was a husky voice calling aloud for help or some bird uttering its discordant scream. End of chapter 13 Recording by Kenneth Sergeant Gagan